As the Money Burns is an original podcast by Nikki Woodard. Based on historical research, this is a deep exploration into what happened to a set of actual heirs and heiresses to some of America's most famous fortunes when the Great Depression hits. Each episode has three primary sections. Section 1 is an heir to story. Section 2 goes deeper into the historical facts. Section 3 focuses on contemporary, emotional, and personal connections. Story Recap Wimbledon star Frank Shields returns for tennis week in Newport. While Henrietta Hartford keeps one child's marriage a secret when another is exposed. Now back to As the Money Burns. Love, Pilot. Wherever money resides, extortion and blackmail forever threaten the secrets and scandals one wishes to hide. Alas, a mother's work is never done. Section 1. Story. September 8, 1931, Boston. At the federal courthouse, a lawsuit is filed that will soon make headlines fast across the nation. The stamped documents are then promptly served to an apartment at the Copley Plaza. September 9, 1931. Another day goes by as newspapers fly onto the doorsteps and porches across the country. In the richer houses and locations, the servants bring the papers to their masters and mistresses, depending on their routine, in bed or at the breakfast table. Happy socialite Henrietta Hartford starts her day much like normal. She drinks her morning coffee over breakfast when she sees the headline. She spits out her coffee, drops her cup in astonishment, and clasps her mouth. The day Henrietta has feared is now happening, only one week before Harvard's 1931 fall session begins. For the next week, newspapers pile up with the various headlines. Girl asks for 100000 in suit, saving love mad youth. Glass house fails to guard richest boy from temptress. Guard a golden heart, world's richest boy, the most chaperoned Harvard student. Sues Mrs. Hartford, alleges aid to son, too rich to call his love his own. Sues for a hundred thousand, mama cages richest lad, young men saved from sirens. The overly dedicated mother has done everything in her possible being to protect her son, so much so that she overcoddled and made him supremely vulnerable to the wiles of female seduction. What choices did she have? Last year, hormones and a little taste of freedom allowed richest boy Huntington Hartford to venture out with his roommate Ned Rollins to a brothel. That eye-opening experience led to several revelations and the beginning of a rebellious streak in Hunt. Like any good overly involved mother, Henrietta immediately attuned that he might be led astray by the wrong sort of female and search for a more assured way to put more socially acceptable females in his line of sight. Henrietta really feared a showgirl, or God forbid a harlot, might tempt her son away and trap him. Instead, her son secretly married a girl studying to become a kindergarten teacher, thus ruining all the better marital matches a mother aspires for her son, like the preferred Newport next-door neighbor, Doris Duke. 
Henrietta has played the social game fairly well until now. But these last two years, she avoided summer activities of the social season in order to circumvent potential scandal. As the papers tell the story, Henrietta searched for a reputable young lady to aid in redirecting Huntington's focus to more desirable female companions. From the New England Conservatory, pretty redheaded and pianist, Mildred King would act as a music instructor as well as a love pilot guiding him to better young ladies. Henrietta suspected that a Manhattan femme fatale, some Broadway siren, or even likely lady of the evening has caught Hunt's romantic attentions. If Mildred succeeded in this endeavor, Henrietta offered to adopt her or pay her 100000 That's nearly $2 million in 2022. Mildred organized several gatherings under the guise of music enrichment and one in which a Leslie College student, Mary Lee Epling, joined. Miss Mary Lee is now the secret Mrs. Huntington Hartford. The daughter of a West Virginia dentist isn't exactly the caliber Henrietta was seeking. Now returned from Hawaii in the Canadian Rockies, Henrietta has been unable to persuade the young couple to separate and annul their marriage, though they do concede to return to school in their separate living arrangement. Henrietta cannot have this secret exposed. All this new attention will make it even more difficult. The newspapers alight that Huntington must be nearly engaged to Doris. Oh, how Henrietta and Doris's equally ambitious mother, Manaline Duke, could hope. Yet alas, Doris's social secretary denies the suggestion, as the youth have barely met a few times, and definitely no such nuptial plans or intentions exist. To Henrietta's defense, gossip colonist Charlie Knickerbocker reports the Honorable Henrietta claims to have never met Mildred, and that this obvious blackmail is par the course for the rich, always the target and the focus of unscrupulous fortune hunters by any means available. Henrietta maneuvers fast to squelch the story, but ah, uh, not fast enough. September 13th, 1931. News is that Huntington is engaged to Mary Lee Epling. Depending on the paper, they met through Mildred in Boston and or met <laughs> again and fell in love on a cruise ship to Hawaii. As the stories are being published, the young couple are visiting both families to get better acquainted. By September 16, 1931, and for some latecomers, 17th or later, news from Mary Lee's hometown of Bluefield, West Virginia, reveals that the couple is married as of last April 1931 and now on their eastern honeymoon. Crisis not averted. By later in the fall, reports will be made that the love pilot claim was likely settled for 10000 In 2022, that would be 195000 One paper claims as much up to 40000 which would be the ridiculous and highly unlikely sum of 779000 According to Charlie Knickerbocker, Henrietta considers 10000 a reasonable sum to make the whole matter finally go away. She dreads any more information that will get dredged up and further ruin their hardly newly won social standing. But do things ever really go away? This is certainly not the end, but only a beginning of several more scandals to come. Section 2. History and Historiography 
When I first began researching the subject of the wealthy during the Great Depression, I ran across some early articles detailing their plight in an unsympathetic world. One February 1929 Vanity Fair article laments the problems with searching for love among the wealthy and the profound fear of deception. Another February 1929 Vanity Fair article discusses the problems of being a millionaire, especially if born into money, and how ill-prepared many are in dealing with life. These are both written prior to the October 1929 Wall Street crash. I take great pains in reconstructing the situations and dynamics beyond the straightforward listing of facts and chronology in the more dominant documentary styles to which we are generally accustomed. I think it hardly does justice to list a single fact with a few sentences and then jump ahead to the next, especially when it comes to heavily based emotional matters. That manner can work well at discussing a battle or a technological invention. However, it hardly scratches the surface when the decisions are of a highly intimate nature, such as a marriage or divorce, which might have endless layers of complications. As I pull back the layers and dive into the past, I get mired in lots of little threads like being stuck in a spider web with so many extensions and seemingly random points nevertheless connected. As I move along one, I get wrapped in another. It is following those misdirections that lead to several more interesting potential discoveries. Then there are the complications of dealing with so much in the window and scandal. Things that appear true might be false, a facade constructed to protect or imprison one into compliance. Seemingly false things might be true, but have been so submerged, little will ever see the light. To that matter, in digging more out of the love pilot scandal, another interesting side note that emerges is one of Henrietta Hartford's own skeletons, which came out in a syndicated article. This means there are several copies of variations of the same article, though I am unable to confirm through an independent, separate source. This tidbit on Henrietta is a doozy, if true. Her first marriage is to Edward Hartford, father of her two children, Josephine Hartford and Huntington Hartford. But somewhere along the way, Henrietta, upset with Edward, divorces him, then weds an old and devoted friend, who is unnamed and lacking more identifying description. However, that second marriage fails to flourish, so they divorce, and Henrietta then remarries Edward. No dates, no other details, merely two to three sentences. What is well known, Edward will later separate from her again and then will die alone from delirium in a hotel room, leaving her and her children a substantial fortune. In trying to figure out more, I ran into a dead end with only seeing it mentioned in that one syndicated article related to both Huntington Hartford, Mildred King, and Huntington's sister, Josephine Hartford. Not even Huntington's biography, Squandered Fortune, mentions the in-between marriage. However, I did locate a different minor scandal in a 1928 article where the alcoholic death of a Swedish vice counsel is attributed to the widow Henrietta rejecting that gentleman's romantic overtures. In the biography, it does mention that Henrietta did have several boyfriends over the years, even while Huntington is growing up. The men came in and out and rather quickly thus giving Huntington some attachment issues. Embarrassingly for her son, 
she is also prone to flirt with the fathers of his classmates. Nevertheless, Henrietta remains discreet enough to keep most things out of the papers. As referenced in the biography, there are very few other confirmations except when another situation will emerge in a few more years. Wisely, Henrietta makes a powerful friend in Maury Paul, otherwise known as Charlie Knickerbocker, who regularly gushes over her in his column and defends any bad accusation. Through Charlie, we get little bits about the travel both to Europe and Hawaii. Charlie praises her social acumen and seemingly blasé attitude to endlessly play the society games with its mandatory attendance. It is not revealed that both trips were indeed to avoid the scandals of Huntington's cheating at St. Paul's and his abrupt secret marriage. I'm not quite sure if Charlie knew the truth, cared about the truth, or preferred the lies as everything is relevant like in today's vernacular, her truth, and recollections may vary, mantras. When the love pilot escapade comes to the forefront, Charlie defends Henrietta as a decent and noble woman trapped by ambitious and greedy operators, referring in this instance to Mildred King. I refer to the scandal as blackmail because it essentially surfaces a secret due to the lack of a $100,000 payment, whether agreed or not, and the amount is exorbitant even today when talking about a $100 to $200 million trust fund, and more so in 1931. Who knows what truly happened between Henrietta Hartford and Mildred King? There more than likely was some plotting amongst each other and then a falling out. Mildred King might have overstated her hand and thought the introduction of Mary Lee Epling as a suitable mate, while Henrietta thinks of Mary Lee as far subpar than the mother's desired intention. Makes me wonder who leaked the marriage details. Did Mildred know about Huntington and Mary Lee, then pressed for payment? Or did Mary Lee or one of her defenders leak the information? A lot of press covered the lawsuit, but most of the articles are syndicated and repeat the same information. However, one source brought to light a little sooner details of the potential engagement and marriage with far more accurate details from none other than Bluefield, West Virginia, very close to Mary Lee's hometown. So if it wasn't Mary Lee, then it was someone defending her. As the story leaks out, more details emerge. First, the now obvious. They met on a cruise to Hawaii and fell in love, then engaged. To within a couple of days, they met while both at school in Boston and married in April. Then there are additional details that Mary Lee has visited Newport and Huntington is now visiting her in Virginia with Henrietta to join. Still hard to believe when the school session begins again, they will still be living separately in their pre-marriage residencies. Yes, maybe that's the most ridiculous situation of all. Let it be known that for probably 95% of the world, Mary Lee would be considered an excellent and wonderful spouse or daughter-in-law. She is bright, studious, and a go-getter. She has a pleasant personality, but with a strong will. She is the type that runs the PTA, a devoted mother, and likely a fun bedmate. I take these inferences from other information that I know about her, but won't reveal at this time. She would be the perfect wife for someone with goals and be the caregiver so desired, especially back then, in the maternal role. In contrast, baby-faced and overly coddled, Huntington Hartford needs to grow up and get a better backbone. Other than his bank account, 
he doesn't have a lot to recommend. He hasn't learned to manage life's challenges so far. He's a daydreamer who rarely lives up to his imaginative potential, and he will often defer to his mother or wife to make the harder decisions and deal with any fallout. Oh yes, he is going to be the center of much chaos to come, most stemming from his immaturity. Henrietta obviously is a little more familiar with scandal surrounding amorous liaisons. This is also far from being the last situation she will deal with during her lifetime. Maybe love pilots should teach safety procedures for when love crashes. Section 3, Contemporary and Personal Relevance. Plenty of blackmail and scandals surrounds the wealthy. Secrets are only as powerful as those wanting or needing to keep them. So much energy goes into keeping secrets. The best hope is that if they ever do come out, then it is much after the fact and with little impact in the present and future. And yet, there are plenty of secrets that linger forever, always waiting to come into the light. The question is, how dangerous is the actual secret? For most cases, it merely has the power over the person wanting to keep it. No more, no less. Even if it is traumatic, the actual openness allows a person to deal and confront. But the hardest secrets are the ones in which we confine ourselves. The lies we tell to make our life seem okay, or how we want it to be, or at least have others believe it to be. Most recently, the book Revenge, Meghan, Harry, and the War Between the Windsors by Tom Bauer retreads the ground of the former royals' dispute and their abrupt exit in 2020. In it, Bauer goes over bit by bit every fact known about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and either validates or disproves their claims. Previously, Buckingham Palace issued the statement, Recollections May Vary, in response to the Oprah interview from 2021. This book focuses on exposing many of the lies and half-truths spread over the last couple of years. Is it scandalous, or will it finish what seems to be non-stop, endless scandals, if only for headlines? The secrets are out, but were they ever really secret? Depends on the perspective. A secret wedding to a lesser but otherwise reputable person is far less scandalous than the troubles ahead for our heirs and heiresses if only those future situations will resolve as amicably. Love is a tricky situation, needing plenty of guidance. History is fun and strange and can often require a second or third look into the subject. Want some fun trivia? Check out Second Glance History Logs and Posts, which resurfaces forgotten stories. Second Glance History recently celebrated four years of stories and puns so there is plenty to enjoy. Located via Twitter, the handle at Two Glance History or their website, secondglancehistory.com. Links available in the notes section along with a few special articles. Earbuds Collective will be featuring As the Muddy Burns in its podcast spotlight for the week of September 4th, 2022. Please check it out at www.earbudspodcastcollective.org or Twitter at 
earbudspodcol. Links will also be available in the notes section and via all social media for As The Money Burns, as well as the news and events tab at asthemoneyburns.com. If you enjoy As The Money Burns, then please share, like, and subscribe. Next, when we return to As The Money Burns, royal titles might be grand, but one prince proudly turns in his title to become an American citizen. Until then. As the Money Burns is an original podcast written, produced, and voiced by Nikki Wooder, based on historical research. Archival music has been provided by Past Perfect Vintage Music. Check out their website at www.pastperfect.com. Please come visit us at As the Money Burns via Good Pods, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Transcripts, timeline, episode guide, and character bios are available at asthemoneyburns.com.